right, and welcome in, um, everybody, to another episode of the Buffalo Basement Podcast. I, as always, am your host, Matt Dygert, and always to my right here, or on, on my screen to the right, on, on uh, your screens to the left of me, uh, Pat Bruckness at PatTheBill5 uh, on Twitter. Definitely give him a follow, give us a follow, and uh, we are brought to you by, um, or we're coming to you from the Built in Buffalo Network, so definitely give them a follow. Um, subscribe, like, everything like that on YouTube, and uh, we definitely appreciate that because it'll definitely help us out here on the, on the Built in Buffalo Network. With that being said, um, we are also presented and brought to you by Elliot Apollos um, at 3785 uh, South Park Avenue in Blaisdell, New York, uh, 14219. Definitely check them out. They do. Um, I was actually there this this weekend, Pat, and they, you know, they do have some of the best wings in Buffalo. I, I mean, they, they really, they do a great job down there. Um, I took my, um, you know, mother and father, my, my mother and my stepfather out for, uh, for dinner. Um, and, uh, the, the food was just amazing. So definitely, definitely shoot I'm down there if you can. Yeah, definitely shoot down there if you can and uh, check them out. We're also brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. Um, you know, they got some great, great artwork and great apparel there. Um, I know they're working on some other great things that um, definitely will be trying to push out um, and show show you guys that we, you know, when we can, when they get that stuff done. But definitely check them out, www.sonsoferie.com. Um, with that being said, uh, again, we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Um, we are going to uh, have our, our guest on at 730. Uh, our guest, if you didn't see it, is actually going to be Sal, Sal Capaccio at Sal Sports on Twitter. Um, so definitely check that out um, about the 730, uh, about 730 tonight uh, when he joins us. Um, and we'll just be getting his uh, his um, thoughts on the, the coaching hires this week and, um, you know, things like that. So. Um, you know, kind of get into it, Pat. Uh, well, first and foremost, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. Everybody who's watching now or watching on the replay, thank you for tuning in. We have a good show for you guys today, and I hope you enjoy it. Matt. Yes, sir. We do have a question regarding the NFL honors tonight. Is there a small chance Allen can win MVP? I mean, I... I'll let you answer that it, one first. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think it should be 100% Josh Allen. I mean, honestly, I mean, it, you know, as we sit here and, um, you know, talk about it, we talk about, you know, who's the most valuable player to their team um, throughout the entire NFL. Um, I, I really do think it should be Josh Allen. I mean, he led the league in a lot of different stats. I mean, you know, if you put him up against who I think is going to win tonight in Lamar Jackson, um, you know, Josh Allen had 15 more touchdowns than him. He had um, – you know, what was it like? How many how many more yards did he have? He had almost almost uh, almost eight hundred more yards. Yeah, almost eight hundred more yards. Fifteen more touchdowns. You know? And you know, in total, I think Josh was around forty eight hundred, and Lamar total, you're talking thirty six eight. So you're talking forty four. So in total, he had about four hundred more yards than him. And yes, we know how they designed the Bills' offense that every once in a while you'll get a quarterback run, but a lot of those. 500 and what 12 yards from Josh 524 or, uh, 524 thank you um 524 yards from Josh are you know a lot of those are scrambles you know him yeah. him trying to make plays and things like that and you know I, I really think that he is with without him on the bills and you take you take <clears throat> even if you take like Lamar Jackson and put him on on the bills I really think that you're talking a lot different of a team and you give Josh Allen that defense that the Ravens had this year. I think, I think they're in the Super Bowl this year compared to, you know, and I know it's a regular season award, but honestly, I, I would put the the chances for Josh Allen at about ten percent. Uh, how do you feel about that, Pat? Well, I'm right there with you. I feel like Josh Allen should be MVP. Will he be? I I don't think so. I felt I feel like they already everybody's minds already made up with Lamar Jackson. He's the one seed, you know. That's just how I believe it's a popularity contest. And with Baltimore having the one seed, making the highlight real place, not saying Josh Allen doesn't, but it kind of might persuade the media and whoever else has the vote in that to vote for Lamar Jackson. It should be Josh Allen, though. Like you said, you put Lamar Jackson on this Bills team, they don't make the playoffs. I think Josh Allen's by far the better quarterback. And it's a shame that we're not going to see Josh Allen win MVP this year. Because in my opinion, this was Josh Allen's best season as a pro. 
I know some people might go back to say 2020. I think it was this year. I mean, what do you finish with 18 or 20 t- rushing touchdowns in total, including the playoffs? That is I, it was 18. It was 18, 18. but yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's when it matters the most, he plays his best. I know it's regular season award, but let's look into the both. Both of them only made it to the, no, I'm sorry. Baltimore went to the, they both played two games in the playoffs. Josh Allen's numbers were better. I know it's a regular season award, but let's, let's, let's take a deeper dive into the playoffs too. When it matters the most, Josh Allen plays his best. Lamar Jackson doesn't. Well, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, you got to take playoffs out of it, unfortunately, because sadly, you know, I mean, it, it's unfortunate, but also too, a lot of those games that Baltimore won were not because of uh, Lamar Jackson. They were because of their defense. You know, right. it, it's not like it's not like Lamar was making a lot of plays against San Francisco. You know, when they the played defense. them, he did make plays. He did make plays because they won. You know, they ended up winning. Um, but I just. I, I'm of the mind, you know, and, and this is the thing. Here's the thing. I said, you know, personally a long, a long time ago, back in the 2018 draft, before that draft, I said the two best quarterbacks in that draft would be Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. That's clearly what it's what it's turned out to be. Um, you know, I wanted Lamar on the Bills because I didn't think, again, I think I said it before. I think I said it last week or two weeks ago. Um, I thought Cleveland wouldn't Cleveland, and they would take Josh Allen over Baker Mayfield. Uh, but I'm glad they didn't because I'm glad we got, I feel the better quarterback, the better player. Um, but when it comes down to it and you're talking about, you know, MVP award, you got to, you got to take a lot of this stuff out of there because the bills after the, what, after what the Eagles game, they were six and six. Right. Josh Allen was most of the reason why that they took, you know, they, they ended up going on a six game or five game winning streak to end the season, you know, and it's just, it's unfortunate that that they don't look at these things and they, they, it's almost like they don't look at, you know, they, they look at the, the record and they look at, you know, I don't even know. See, and that's, that's my thing is it, it, I I wish that they would have to defend their position almost, you know, I I mean, right. See, you know, yeah, go ahead. Okay, say, and plus the top of that, Lamar Jackson's the one seed. Josh Allen's the number two with better stats. Went through a, fi- a firing of the offensive coordinator. Lamar Jackson accounted for 35% of his team's total touchdowns. Josh Allen Something accounted like for 85. That, yeah. yeah. In my opinion, this is not close, but it is. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I mean, this is, this is a good point, too. Um, it was five in a row at the end of the year because they ended up, ended up 11 and five. But if you want to count the playoffs also, that does give you that sixth win in a row. Um, I just want to make sure the context is there. But, um, you know, and it really comes down to it. And, you know, the Bills don't get the second seed if it's not for Josh Allen. It, they, they, I think that they fold at six and six if, you know, if they're even at six and six. Um, I think that they, you know, any other quarterback once, once, once the um, uh, Ken Dorsey got fired, I really do. I really do, you know, believe that, uh, you know, a, a lesser of a team would have folded, um, you know, and then you had the the hit piece come out from Ty Don, you know, that I will sit here and say is a hit piece. Like, I don't, <laughs> you know, it was, a hit, piece. I don't it was care. a hit piece. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what anybody else says. It was a hit piece and the team rallied around, you know, McDermott to you know and they ended up getting the second seed so um I just I don't feel bad because it's a professional sport like I get it like it's 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 meaningless in everybody's day-to-day life but a lot of us you know enjoy watching it a lot of us enjoy the bills a lot of us and you know want to see you know our our guys get you know the accolades out there more than just most likely what DeMar Hamlin's going to win tonight in a comeback player of the year for, you know, unfortunately (laughs) dying on the field. Like that's, that's not like a, you know, Hey, he's our best player. Hey, you know, he was the offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. Um, Right. Where it's not something he deserves. Right. And I mean, it it is something to be proud of because he died on the (laughs) the field and came back, you know, I should have reworked it better. Yes. No, and that's okay. But that's really what it comes down to is, you know, everybody wants to see their guy get the accolades. They want to be able to root for, you know, their guy to get more accolades. But 
on top of it in the end, I don't care if Josh Allen never wins an MVP. As long as he has Lombardi trophies, I, I don't care. And, you know, I really think that's one of the things that hopefully starting this year, we'll start to see more of a move on, especially, you know, with, and like I said, we'll, we'll definitely, um, we'll definitely, um, we'll definitely, we'll definitely go over that when we, when we talk to Sal here in a little bit. So um, as far as the coaching hires and things like that, but um, I do want to touch on those real quickly because um, just to kind of get them out of there, um, you know, you, they did hire um, one today in Matt Edwards. He came from the Raiders. Um, he was, he was what you said, their defensive line coach. Yes, and he was the defensive line coach in Tennessee in the years 2018 to 2021. Yeah, and I mean, we, we always saw what Jeffrey Simmons did and, and everybody across that line with Tennessee. Um, and then, you know, we saw what the Raiders line was doing at the end of the year last year, and they were really starting to come on. And especially, you know, somebody like what he did, what he was able to do with Max Crosby. Because um, he truly, you know, Max Crosby, even though he's not wasn't the best pass rusher in the NFL this year, he was one of the the better edge players this year, defensive ends this year. Um, so, I mean, with that being said, I mean, I, I really just, I don't know. Um, I really like the, that hire there as an assistant defensive line coach. Um, my favorite one of the bunch is Ronald Curry coming from the saints. Um, and then they also hired um, uh, Jamil Adai from Miami who's not, he's never coached in the NFL. He's only coached at the college level and um, Christian Taylor. Um, he was, you know, which is a weird one to me. Uh, you know, we went, to, uh, he went to William and Mary um, and then he coached it or played at William and Mary coached at William and Mary, you know, so there's that, that connection there. And it's almost, it almost feels like a nepotism hire, even though he's not like family, you know, but right. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that, you know, a little bit before Sal comes on and then get his thoughts on those as well. So um, at this point, I did want to start to getting get into some of the people or some of the players that we're looking at specifically to who the Bills are going to bring in this year. Yep. So who are you looking at specifically, Pat? I'll let you take it from here for a little bit. Alrighty. Well, yeah, I'm looking at the wide receiver market for the free and free agency. And there's a couple guys that I like that are out there that are, you know, on a affordable contract for us. Cause let's be real here. We don't have the most cap in the NFL. We have, what do we, what are we at right now? Negative 51. We have a lot of yeah. clearing up to do if we want to make any free agent moves, but I'm looking at a guy like Kendrick Bourne, a guy that, you know, this bill's team would be familiar with playing him two times a year. His market value per spot track is 4.8 million. Mm-hmm. that's one guy I would like to see here. You know, I believe it was, he was the one who gave us a few fits last year, last year. Yeah. Last year, not, not, not right. 2023, 2022. Um, he, he was, you know, seemed to be okay, you know, with them. Um, I like him um, personally. Uh, another one that I, I would, I would not be opposed to them bringing in would be an, uh, like a Nelson Aguilar on a lower contract. Um, you know, somebody like him, I know it's a pipe dream um, and probably about 0.1% of ha- uh, 0.1% of happening, but a, like a Michael Pittman, if there was some way in, in way, you know, to get him more, more because like I'm a, uh, <laughs> was a big fan of his in college. But um, with that being said, I, there's, there's like no way to do that. So um, with that being said, who else are you looking at? Yeah. I like KJ Osborne. Minnesota's third string wide receiver. He was number two when Jefferson went down for quite some time. I feel like that's a guy who has some untapped potential that his potential has not been used yet because Minnesota always has two to three good wide receivers. And I'm trying to find his market value right now. I'm trying to see if they have it here, but I feel like that's just a guy who could come here, play the slot because we do have Khalil Shakir. Obviously he can play inside and outside can Kay can play inside or he can play tight end. I feel like maybe KJ won't be a good guy in the slot, a good player to have in the slot. As I'm trying to find his market value. Yeah. And, you know, kind of want to move on from there. Cause I, I personally, I'm more looking at the wide receiver market. Maybe if they can bring in a vet or two, um, you know, lower end deals to kind of compete with the rest of the roster. But I, I really want to see them, you know, 
address that in the draft as well. Um, you know, if you actually want to watch watch a great show on the wide receiver stuff, um, you know, last night on on the Built in Buffalo Network, they uh, the going uh, going deep Buffalo podcast. Um, that, uh, going deep Buffalo, they did that last night. So if you want to check that out, it should be on YouTube and uh, um, on Twitter and everything like that on the uh, on the the Built in Buffalo uh, pages. So um, also on, on anybody's favorite audio platform as well. That should be there as well. So um, with that being said, I mean, it, you know, they went over some great stuff last night. So definitely check that out. But I'm more looking at in free agency is to get your backup quarterback um, to get, you know, your starting free safety because Micah Hyde most likely is done. Um, whether he comes back or not, I don't see him coming back to Buffalo, whether he retires or not. Um, I could see it if it was like a, a super cheap deal or anything like that, just to keep that together. But, um, you know, and, and, you know, and that, that really comes down to, um, the player that I'm looking at there is uh, is Darnell Savage. I, I you know I love love Darnell Savage. Love what he did with uh, for Green Bay, and he kind of kind of reminds me a little of that like Micah Hyde situation. So right, what what do you feel about like Darnell Savage? I like Darnell Savage. I watch quite a few NFC North games every year, and I feel like every time I watch the Packers play, Darnell Savage is making a play. This this and plus this would not be the first time we took a defensive back from Green Bay and turn them into something into the, well into the a, a safety, yeah. player. Right. Yeah. You got Micah Hyde. Then, you know, we just traded for Rasul Douglas during the off at the trade deadline and he's playing well for us too. So we have a good track record of going after guys from Green Bay. So I'm all for it. I like him. I feel like he makes a play every time I watch him. Yeah. And then, then the other one too is, um, is, you know, that's, that's out there is a Jeremy Chin, um, you know, played for Carolina last year. I, I really, I know he's somebody that the Bills wanted originally when when they were um, looking at the looking at draft or you know in the draft, um, but he's somebody that I, I really think would you know come in and I, I don't think he's got a huge market on him. And that's the thing we saw last year with the safeties. Uh, there was only one that got paid. That's why Jordan Poyer came back here. Right. Is because why you know stay in a system that I know stay, you know stay stay with everything that I know that I love. Or go to some some place like a Miami and you know finish my career there, which he could have done. He could have taken the money and done, you know done. Um, but the only one who really got paid was um, uh, was Bates by uh, Atlanta. Yep, and he right. got sixteen and a half million dollars last year. So you know, I, I really, I really want to see them make an effort to get you know plug the holes in free agency that they have minus maybe your, your wide receiver, because you know, you hate going in into the draft with a need, right? Right. Of course, because you don't want to go into the draft with a need because then you're kind of, you know, Oh, we have a first round. We, we, he's, it kind of reminds me of Ky the Kyir Elam draft. We got the last rated corner a first round corner that they had on their board. So it really comes down to it where it's, you know, it's unfortunate. Whereas if they'd have to go into it with a need and them feeling like that, they have to take somebody like, like, Oh, we got to take the, take the seventh best receiver or the 10th best receiver at our pick in the, in the first round, because there has been a run on receivers. This, right. This they kind of felt obligated this, to, this receiver draft is loaded with receiver talent. They can get a receiver in the second round that may have in other years been a first round receiver. So I don't want them to have to go in there and feel that they have a, you know, quote unquote need. So, I mean, that's really, that's really my feelings on, on it. What, what are your feelings? Yeah, no, I want us to go into the draft with having every hole we can filled. For that way, like you said, we're in the first round. Hey, we need we need a safety. You know, we're in the second round. We didn't sign one. We're kind of safeties are kind of falling like that. I don't think they will, just for an example. But it's kind of like we got to take one, just like how we do with Kyrie Elam. Mm -hmm. So I would like us to, you know, find a way to clear up as much cap as we can, restructure a few guys, 
and try to fill a lot of these holes. Like a guy like Jeremy Chin, Darnell Savage, maybe go sign a vet wide receiver and then draft one in the first round. There's a lot of guys out there. They're all not going to get the bag. Some of them are going to yeah. take cheaper deals. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the reasons why we were. Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons why we we were able to get uh, Taylor Rapp on the one seven seven deal last year, is right. because the safeties were not getting paid. So even if you bring in somebody, even if you bring somebody like a Taylor Rapp back, if you can't get anybody else, and he'll come back on a cheap deal, I'm okay with that. Like I, I don't I don't love it, but right. like I'm okay with it. And then maybe grab somebody in the draft and you know, hopefully they, they can eventually take over in that free safety spot. I would just hate to go in with, you know, with a huge need, like a, a free safety that, you know, that huge hole that Micah Hyde left. So, or is most likely leaving. Um, but the other spot too, that I, you know, am not necessarily worried about, but it's more, a, a you know, let's make sure that, we go in with not a need is defensive tackle. Right. So that means to make sure that we, you know, lock up a Daquan Jones for, uh, you know, resign him. Um, so you can go into the draft and you can take the, you know, the best play, the best defensive tackle available in the second or third or first, or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Like if, if Johnny Newton falls, go pick him up, you know, right. and then take, take your, your, uh, your best rated receiver in the second round, or if, you know, I'm not a big fan of his personally, but um, is a, is a cam kitchens say the bills love him because they just hired Jamela die from Miami who got what he could out of, out of cam kitchens. And now he's coming to the NFL. Um, Both of them are coming to the NFL. Maybe he, they see something in him that Jamela die may be able to take, take advantage of at some point or anything like that. So, I mean, it just really comes down to it for me personally that I I just want them to go into the draft without any quote-unquote needs maybe other than receiver. Um, and then, obviously, defend, like we were just talking, the defensive tackle. Um, I don't want to see them need needing a starter on the, um, you know, that first, that first day or first two days or anything <laughs> right. like that. So. Um, you know, you can draft your replacements. You still got Eli Anku. Um, so, I mean, it just really depends. It, it just really depends on what, what you can do or anything like that. So, I mean, you have a guy like Daquan Jones's market value, 6.8 million. If we can find a way to clear up the cap to sign him back, maybe we get him for a bit cheaper. We get him for four, mm-hmm. three and a half. Then that way we don't, we're like, okay, we have at least two defensive, three defensive tackles. Now mm-hmm. we're not forced to take one in the draft in the first two in the first two rounds. Well, but and that's like the thing. The guy like Newton's there. Yeah. Take it. And that's you don't want to be forced to take it. You want to be able to take the best player available on your board. Right. You know, and you know, we keep talking about free agency and things like that. I did want to bring up real quickly. I know on the 22nd, um, you know, we will be doing our salary cap show here um, at the on the Buffalo Basement Podcast. We will actually have Greg Thompson on to, you know, go through everything and and make sure everybody is aware of everything. I know he did his earlier this year or earlier in the in the in the seat or in the off season, um, just to kind of get everybody prepped on that. But um, I personally have some questions on that as well and things, maybe we, what we can do and what we may see and things like that. So definitely a couple of weeks for that on the 22nd of that Thursday, um, we'll, we'll, um, we'll definitely be having him on. So um, that's something that everybody can look forward to if they, you know, want to join us or anything like that. We definitely want to, you know, thank them for joining us in advance. So, um, you know, but I, I mean, my, like I said, I, I mean, I, I feel like I keep repeating myself here, but I, I just I want to keep going. I want to go into the draft with nothing, with not needing anything. So um, and, you know, like one of the commenters said, you know, resign Jones. Yes. But defensive tackle depth, we do need that. But we do. I'm of the mind that you can have. Have guys. Have guys. um there as depth from the draft and, and John just uh, fixed himself there. So um, 
which is which is great. And, and I'm the, I'm the same mind. I really am. I, I really want to see them, um, you know, re-sign Daquan Jones and then draft for depth. Um, one of my favorites. I don't know if it's something that Brandon Bean is looking at is uh, uh, Tavondre Sweat. I love Tavondre Sweat. Um, I'm a big fan of Johnny Newton. So I mean, it, they they play different positions, but each of that like. Johnny Newton's a very similar player to Ed Oliver. So if you can have Ed Oliver on the field and then replace him with Ed Oliver, I mean, that's, that's something that you have to look at. So um, what else, what else are you looking at here, Pat? Yeah, I'm looking at, I don't think I'm not looking at corners at all. I feel like Kyrie Elam's going to take the Dane Jackson role this upcoming season, but we do have a comment from John that says Bedford has practiced as a safety. If we put Benford in a pinch, is it Benford? I mean, me person. You want to go first? No, I was just gonna say. I mean, I, I we'll we'll talk. We'll ask Sal about that because that's more something that I don't see him personally being there. Um, you know, or them wanting to use him. But what I will say is, if they want to get the best players on the field, like if 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 let's say Trey White isn't ready on the first game. Obviously, you're going to have Benford starting opposite, most likely Rasul Douglas, right? Right. So, but when Trey White comes back, who's to say that Benford doesn't just drop back, or in certain packages he doesn't j- j- drop back uh, to that to that free safety role? I mean, uh, you know, I could definitely see something like that, but at the same time, I, I just really, really um, want to see them bring somebody in like a, a Darnell Savage because. He he had the same like career trajectory as as Micah Hyde, you know. Started started the, uh, you know as a nickel and then w- moved, um, you know, is going to be able to come in as a safety. So I mean, it's really that's something that I personally would like to see because he's always around the ball. You know, we saw it. Unfortunately, he did have a drop uh, dropped interception in the um, in the uh, uh, what uh, the divisional round against the 49ers. They probably right. would have sealed that game for them um, or got them close to sealing that game. Uh, but he did have a pick six against uh, uh, against the Cowboys the week prior. Yes, he did. So, I mean, it, it, you know, that's that's really something that I, I look to in when you're looking at, at players. So, you know, it really comes down to it. And, and I really just want to see them make the right moves for this team. Because there's not a lot of hole, there's not a lot of holes to fill, but they're very important holes that need to be filled. I agree, and I feel like another position that nobody's really talking about is the running back room. Ty Johnson's a free agent now. Latavius Murray's a free agent. We don't have a backup running back, and I was looking at it. A guy like Derrick Henry, his market value four point three million. Again, obviously, we have to clear up cap in order to get in order to sign him. And if he signs that, that, but he has not won a ring. And if we can make the playoffs and have a relatively fresh Derrick Henry, that's another guy I'd love to add to this team. Right. No, and, and that's the thing. I would love to add a Derrick Henry or anything like that. But there's so much money out there in free agency. I mean, the the market value is a great tool to use, but right. also it it's not it's not, it's truly not right. A lot of the time. So, right. I mean, you could see his place like um, Houston, you know, that he could go there and, and uh, you know, not, not necessarily flourish, but like they, they have what they have Damian Pierce and uh, they only had signed Singletary to a one-year deal. Yep. So it just really, I would, don't get me wrong. I would love to have Derrick Henry. I, I would love to have him, but I don't see something like that happening. Um, you know, I, I more see that they re-sign Ty Johnson. They use Naheem Hines. Um, maybe draft one. Uh, you know, it, you know, in in the later rounds. You know, where you can get somebody like that. So I mean, it's just really, you know, it, it just really, uh, you know. Is something that I, I would see them doing later in the round. So, um, with that yeah, being but... said, um, I just I'm going to bring on our guest now, 
and uh, want to welcome in, welcome in Sal Capaccio. How are you, Sal? Welcome, Sal. Good guys, how are you? Sound okay? Not yeah. bad. Yep, yeah, you're no, good. you're good. You're good. You sound good. Good. Good to be with you. So, yeah, absolutely. We're glad to have you on again, and actually not have any technical difficulties this time. <laughs> um, good. So, so we were just talking a little bit about you know free agents that we're looking at and things like that. What do you what do you see the Bills doing once they do get under the cap? Um, do you see them more filling role or filling spots? Um, like a safety and, you know, adding a vet wide receiver or what do you see? Well, first, I guess it depends on how they get under the cap, right? I mean, they may create more holes by doing that. You know, we'll have to see. So if they, you know, move on from guys that, um, you know, are on the roster right now who you might not anticipate or something like that, it creates another hole. Um, they're going to have to figure that out. But I do think you go back to Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean both at, you know, the end of the year press conferences. They use the words explosive plays. And Sean McDermott said that's what they'll kind of be looking at at player acquisition. You know, there's three ways to acquire players in this league you draft them, you sign them as free agents, or you trade for them. You have to, if you trade for somebody, you're getting their contract. If you draft them, that's fine. It'd be a great way to do it. But, you know, you have to make sure you hit on that and we'll see. Um, so, free agency, obviously, you have to be able to have a contract to do that. And we'll see where that goes. I don't expect them to swim in the deep end of the pool necessarily there, but I do think that's what they'd look at. And then, you know, they're going to have to replenish the defensive line in some aspect in some way. Um, so you're probably looking at, you know, several guys there who've kept kind of been the same kind of guys they've had the last several years, going back to your Mario Addison's and Quentin Jefferson's and Tim Settles, guys like that. And, you know, maybe they can get Daquan Jones back. I don't know if he'd make a ton of money on the open market, uh, but maybe that'd be something they'd like to do. Yeah, uh, no, and that's that's kind of what we were saying is we'd like to see Daquan Jones back. And I know, you know, my feeling from, you know, Brandon Bean's press conference is that they were going to be looking to sign him, whether they could or not. That's that's yet to be seen. Um, you know, guys that are up for extensions or, you know, that could help to create cap or are, you know, Deion Dawkins and, and Taron Johnson and somebody like a Rasul Douglas, who's nine million dollars on the cap this year. Um do you see any of those guys getting, you know, restructured or extended to help with the cap? Sure. I think it's very possible. Brandon Bean doesn't love doing it, but he said that he's going to have to do some of that. Um, the, the year that Dion had, I think he would warrant, you know, putting under contract for several more years. He means so much to the community, so much to the organization. He's part of Brandon Bean's first draft class, obviously. Uh, that would be something they could do. They could lower his cap number this year, add some years onto it. And, you know, keep him long term and say, you know, hey, he's going to retire a Buffalo Bill. Uh, Russell Douglas, for what he did by giving up, the, you know, by giving up a draft and coming in what he did for uh, the short time, I think that'd be something they'd want to investigate. But he is over 30 years old as a corner. I don't know how far you want to go with that, you know, but I do think you'd probably want to restructure him, um, you know, sign him to a contract. So for sure. I mean, there are guys, Taron Johnson's an all pro. He's still pretty young for his age. I mean, it's amazing. You know, he's still, I think he's like 28, maybe going to be 29. But, you know, you could probably still. You know, do that. And then there's the questions about guys like what happens with Tredavious White, you know, I mean, in his, in his cap, um, what happens with Micah Hyde? He is still under contract for a year, but I think, you know, the way this is going or looking that it feels like, you know, I'm sorry, Jordan Poyer, my fault. Jordan Poyer, mm -hmm. he's under contract for a year, but the way this is going, it feels like, you know, that might be something they might want to uh, move on from. We'll see with his age. So, you know, there's gotta be decisions made, but yeah, I could see guys like that getting extended or, um, you know, restructured. They're always going to have to do things like that. Well, and that you brought up another one is, is is Trey White. I mean, what do you what do you think that they do with him? Because this year he has, you know, he's got that sixteen million dollar number on there, but they're no matter whether he's on the team or not, they owe him ten million dollars. So myself personally, I see him being worth it at six million dollars to keep on the roster. Maybe go to him and change some of those into you know incentives or however you look at it. Um, but what do you think that they do with him? Do you, do you see him on the team next year? Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. These are always tough questions, right? I mean, I, I say mm -hmm. something, I don't want anybody to think that I like have knowledge of what they're going to do. So, I mean, my interpretation of the contract would be that, you know, and the, the way they treat this player, the way they feel about him is that they would love to have him. He is still only 29 years old. I know he's coming off another major injury, but like you said, you said it right. The way I think about it is for not having Travis, if you were to move on from him, I'm sure you'd save $6 million. You also have to pay 10 million for him not to be on the team. And I just don't know if they feel that that would be worth it. Um, It'd be tricky to restructure him because of the injury, and then you'd probably have to move some money down the road, and you don't know if he's going to be 
quite the same player coming back. But I think this is a player that means a lot to the organization. Again, he was Sean McDermott's first draft pick when he came here. But also, this is a player that I think they believe will work very, very hard to get back to the level. You know, that's not the case a lot with a lot of guys. And I don't know if he will get back there, but look, he came back after the ACL and we all know that he wasn't necessarily the same that first little bit when he came back. But last year he was their number one corner and he was traveling with number one wide receivers. And we heard day after day how hard he was working and he will, he'll work very hard. And I, so to me, I don't know what they're going to do that. I think they have options. Um, They could save money, but it feels like to me that not having on the roster for $10 million is a little too much to take on versus having him on the roster for the, you know, 16 million in cap it. Mm-hmm. And Pat, I know you had some questions for Sal, so go ahead. No, yeah, I do. First of all, Sal, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. You got it. My first question for you is what are, who are some free agents that you're looking at that you would like to see on this bill's team? Well, uh, I haven't dug too far in, but I've looked at the wide receivers a little bit and thought about them. I wonder if a guy like Marquise Brown would fit in here in Buffalo. You know, he, I mean, you, I think because I think about explosive plays, like you know, Brandon Bean said, he talked about explosive plays and the player acquisition there. So I think about a guy like Marquise Brown because that because I don't think you're going to have to necessarily break the bank for him. Now, the issue is though, he's a guy that you know probably has the kind of stature and name, and somebody might say, okay, we're going to you know throw a little bit more money at him than a team like the Buffalo Bills uh, would want to do. Um, I, I just don't see them going after guys like you know Michael Pittman or. Mike Evans, I think that would be a little too much for them. So to me, like you go down the list, I like Kendrick Bourne. I think Kendrick Bourne's a guy that I liked a lot in New England. I just don't think he had the right quarterback player, the offense, not necessarily an explosive player. That's not going to fit the bill there, but that's a guy you could go after. I'm looking at the wide receiver you know, uh, group now. Darnell Mooney sounds like a guy that could be really interesting in this offense. You know, I don't know. I, I'm a big Curtis Samuel fan. Like, what does that look like, you know, wh- where he is right now? So I think you're looking at guys like that as far as, um, you know, wide receivers, and they may have to go back into the safety pool. We'll see what happens there. I mean, Antoine Winfield's going to get paid a ton of money. A guy like that would be way too much, but how about a guy like Jeremy Chin, you know, coming out of college a few years ago, I think the bills were pretty interested in him. Um, you know, he's a guy that you might want to take a look at. So, you know, I, like I said, Javon curse, you know, we saw him play in Dallas a little bit and he, he's kind of had a, a career where I think he's been a little bit more, you know, better as his career has gone on a little bit than when he first came in the league. These are just names that I'm looking at on paper, but I haven't really dug in too far yet to kind of say, mm-hmm. these are the guys I would target. Well, what do you, do how do you like, feel about, uh, how do you feel about Darnell Savage real quick while we're still on the safeties? Sure. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't, like, I haven't gone too far. To, I'd rather not, like, I don't know, like I have to look a little bit more and doing the work on a lot of the guys that are going to be available. I'm right mm-hmm. now looking more personally, like my, I'm looking more at the bills roster specifically than, you know, the outside guys. And right. you don't just part of it guys is teams are going to have franchise tags. We're going to have transition tags. There's going to be a lot of stuff restructuring done by the time we get to March 13th when free agency starts. A lot of the names you hear aren't even going to be free agents. Mm-hmm. That is true. Oh, and that's that's true. That's 100 true. Go ahead, Pat. Dawson, that is very true. That is very true. My next question for you was, how do you feel about us being able to retain Joe Brady and Bobby Babbage? Well, I mean, obviously, getting Joe Brady back as the offensive coordinator, I think, was something that kind of we all expected and you know what he did with the offense the last half of the season when he was the offensive coordinator and his relationship with Josh you know building on that and I think the the advantage of getting him right away to kind of resign and keep him in Buffalo is you could just kind of hit the ground running and keep it going you don't have to wait if they were to wait and hire a new offensive coordinator now that's a whole month they would have lost essentially of you know planning and things you know at least now everybody knows the system everybody's in it he's got pretty much the whole offense coming back we know you know Gabe's obviously a free agent there's a few guys but he's got most of the offense returning, especially the offensive line. So I think to me, that was a really significant you know, thing to make sure you just kind of keep the train moving. And then of course, retaining Bobby Babbage is great, but now it's a new role for him. And you know, what will the role be? We don't know if he's going to call plays, if he's not going to call plays. But this is a fantastic you know, coach who's done a great job with the positions that he's worked with, safeties, corners, I'm going to say these linebackers, um, you know, he's done a great job. So obviously, you know, it's a, it's a really great thing to, for him to stay in Buffalo and not go to their division rival, Miami Dolphins, where he had a job where he had an um, interview, um, the Giants, the Packers. So, yeah, keeping them is obviously um, obviously really good. Well, yeah, and as far as Bobby Babbage goes, I mean, we saw what he did with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, and then, you know, what he's done with, you know, Tremaine Edmonds getting, you know, he literally left here and it was, you know, got his his $18 million a year, and and then what he did this year with Terrell, Terrell Bernard and, and Matt Milano. So um, even though Milano is still, but it, it just seems like he was playing at another level entirely this year. 
um, before he got hurt. So uh, we do have a question from our comments real quickly. How how soon do you see the Bills uh, begin restructuring contracts to get under the cap? Um, usually those things start happening right around and after the combine because what happens is at the end of February, that's where the – it's kind of the first meeting place for all the NFL people. The agents are there. Um, not the players they're playing now. Obviously, the you know the the the, um, the guys coming up are there, but you get a lot of the the of, all the GMs, all the head coaches, personnel people, the agents. So a lot of times, that's where business starts with this, and then you start to hear things. Hey, we'd like to kind of extend your guy. And those things take a little bit of time. So I, I would think somewhere in the first couple of weeks of March is usually when you start to do that. And then honestly, when you get to free agency, which this year starts, you know, we could talk to players on March 11th. Free agency starts March 13th. A lot of times it's, hey, well, there's a free agent out there we'd like, or we didn't know he'd be out there. We'd like to sign him. So now you go to a player and say, can you restructure your contract? And you're already kind of in the free agency place and window because you know you didn't know you wanted to do that, but you might need to move some money around. Yeah, no, perfect. And real real quickly, um, just I have to touch on some admin stuff real quick. Um, we are, uh, you know, Buffalo Basement is brought to you by Elliot Apollo's. Uh, 3785 South Park Avenue, Buffalo, New York, or Blaisdell, New York, 14219, and Sons of Erie. Uh, definitely check them out, www.sonsoferie.com. Um, getting back to back to everything, Sal, um, have you looked at all into the draft at all yet, or are you still kind of just? Uh, just a little bit here and there. Like, I mean, more about position. Some of the player receivers a little bit, yeah. But, again, one of the things I always tell people that – I always get asked, like, where do you think the Bills are going to go in the draft? And my answer is, tell me what they do in free agency first. I mean, we have the Hall of Free Agency. I remember 2019, I was all aboard. Okay, receivers, you, you got to get Josh Allen, this young kid. You said his rookie year, got to get him receivers. And then all of a sudden, they signed John Brown. They signed Cole Beasley. And you're like, well, I guess they don't need as many receivers in the draft. Not that they didn't necessarily need one, but, um, you know, so, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think about, you know, needs, but as far as specific players, haven't gone to too far down a road with a lot of them. Yeah, and I mean, it, it. You know, Brandon Bean said in you know in the past in, in in press conferences, he doesn't want to go in with needs. He just wants to be able to draft the best player on his board. I just feel like this year might be a little bit different because of all the needs they you know may create by um, not being able to sign free agents or not being able to uh, or you know creating some other holes. But in reality, I really think that. Um, wide receiver this year is very important in, in the first couple of rounds because you're, you have an aging Stefan Diggs because you're losing a Gabe Davis. I mean, you can go out and sign a Nelson Aguilar or anybody like that, but they're going to be like your four, fourth or fifth best receiver on the team. And I mean, they still have like a Justin shorter on the team with that being said, who do you see as being somebody that they would, I don't want to say necessarily go after, but, like, as far as where they're sitting, do you see them maybe needing to trade up for somebody to get into, like, the, the better four or five receivers or, like, if they were to take one in the first round? Well, I mean, it's always a tricky proposition, right? Because, sure, I mean, they could trade up and make a move and maybe you target a guy and you get him and, you know, could you move as high? I don't know if you can get as high to get a Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know if you can move as high, you know, to get a um, uh, Malik Neighbors. But, you know, those guys start to fall a little bit. Maybe that's the kind of move you need to make in a year where you have 10 draft picks. And now you have a little draft capital and you can do that. And you know, you have to do for all the reasons you just stated a little while ago, you have to do that. But at the same time, this draft is really deep. Um, I had John Harris on our radio show. John is the sideline reporter for the Texans, but he's, he does a lot of stuff on the draft and he was at the senior bowl. He said, he thinks this wide receiver draft could be historic. That's how good it could be. Mm -hmm. So do you really have to move up? Like if that's the case, you could also sit where you are take a guy and then take another one next round or a few rounds later, if that's the case. And I wonder if maybe something like that, it's always tricky to move up because if they want to get in the top half of the first round, sitting at 28, it may cost you next year's first rounder. I don't really know if Brandon mm -hmm. Bean wants to do that. I don't know if I want him to do that. You know, that's a, right. that's a tough thing to ask to do. Now, if you could move up, you know, 10 spots, give up a third might be something you're willing to do. If you get the right guy, you know, but if you could sit there and get a Tony Franklin, maybe it happens. You could sit there and get a Brian Thomas. Maybe it happens, right? So I think it's always a, a tough balance there when you're talking about that. And, yeah, I mean, real quickly, you brought up two of my, you know, favorites from watching film so far and breaking down film. Um, what do you, How do you feel about, like, a Troy Franklin or a Brian Thomas coming in into Buffalo? What do you think that they would offer to the Bills? 
Um, did I say Tony Franklin? He used to be a kicker, by the way. I had him on the brain for some reason. <laughs> same, same first name. Troy um, Franklin. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think the Bills need explosive plays, right? And this is a guy that would do that. He'd bring that. He'd he'd bring that juice to the offense. He'd bring something. It's always tricky with rookies. I know that rookie wide receivers generally you have a pretty good hit rate in the league, but it's not always a guarantee, right? I mean, look at um, the Chargers last year and Quentin Johnson, right? I mean, it just never worked out. Look at what the Chiefs have tried to do the last several years. Sky Moore hasn't worked out as a wide receiver. Um, they've drafted a few guys here over the last several years. Now, Rasheed Rice, obviously, he's looking pretty good, but it took a little while there for that to happen. So it's not always it's not always going to be a Justin Jefferson just hitting like that mm-hmm. when you bring a guy in. And, you know, when you come into a ready-made team with Super Bowl expectations, that makes it even a little bit tougher sometimes on these young guys. So, you know, I sure, I think he'd fit in. There's no doubt. I think a lot of these guys would fit in. But again, you know, it's not a guaranteed proposition when you do mm-hmm. it. And, you know, you have to be careful in how you go about it. Yeah, I mean, and one of my my favorites in the draft, obviously, like right now, just what you know from watching film, I have uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. at first, um, Malik Neighbors second, Odunze third, and then personally, personally, I have Leggett as fourth. Um, okay. Have you watched anything on him at all? To not um, really, not too, not too much. I know, I know who he is. I mean, I I've seen yeah. him a little bit. I you know, and I've watched. Um, I know that uh, Lad McConkey's a guy that you know gets a little bit of buzz as well. So we'll see about him, but. Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, I haven't really watched enough stuff on these guys to give you an, a super educated mm-hmm. opinion. No, and that's that's okay. Uh, I just, you know, more more just want to wanted to, you know, get your feeling on, on, you know, if they were to take um, trying to think of the best way to word this. I mean, do you th- if they are not able to get Daquan Jones back? Let's put it that way. Or if even if they are, do you think that they maybe if like a defensive tackle starts falling into the first, or do you think that's more of a like a second or third round pick? Sure, I could see them taking a defensive tackle. I mean, they have to replenish the position. You know, it is mm-hmm. a rotational spot, though. You have to remember that. But they did take Ed Oliver number nine a few years ago, and it's been a ro- it's a rotational spot, and they still did that. Um, no doubt, it could be a a spot where they target. Look, I mean, I know people don't want to hear this, but it's true. They're going to take the best player on the board, and yes, it's going to be mm-hmm. also with a need position, but. They're not just going to reach for a defensive tackle because they need one. If they have a third-round grade in them, he's not going first round. If they have a third-round grade in a the receiver, they're not taking him first round. I mean, they're going to take the best available player, but it's got to be at a position that they, they can use the guy. I mean, that's how it's got to work. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're otherwise it's not fair to the team nor the player. I mean, if you take a guy in the first round, you have a third-round grade on, everybody expects him to play like a first-round pick. He's not. And you're like, well, we only have a third-round grade on him anyway. But you can't say that. That's why you don't do it. I mean, so right. you have to, you know, that's why you don't reach, and that's why teams do take the best player available on their board. But again, it's best player available at a position that you can use him at. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, of course, I think that, that that's always going to be in play. I mean, it's a very important spot for the Bills. They have a lot of guys that are up with contracts, and, you know, they're going to have to replenish that spot. Yeah, and uh, before we move on from the draft, Pat, do you have any other questions? No, yeah, I do. Sal, have you looked into the defensive tackles? No. No? Okay. Sorry. I know Smith's No, 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 really no you're good. okay. I him, but like I said, guys, I – I, I, I don't want to give you a disservice here and just start, you know, throwing out names or guys that I haven't seen yet. So I, I, I apologize. No, and that, that's perfectly fine. That's um, my, my next thing is I wanted to get into um, the hires that they made this week and they were pretty, some pretty important hires, you know, between, um, you know, Curry and um, you know, as the quarterbacks coach and then, um, and then uh, hiring um, even Matt Edwards, uh, a die and then Matt Edwards today. What do you think that those guys bring specifically to the team well ronald curry obviously is a guy that um was just a phenomenal athlete coming out of high school the number one recruit in both football and basketball coming out of virginia plays in the mcdonald's high school all-star game wins the slam dunk competition and then he goes and plays football at north carolina and basketball um but plays wide receiver in the nfl right because he really wasn't you know a good enough prospect as a quarterback brings with him a lot of knowledge then from both playing wide receiver and quarterback throughout his playing career, both NFL and college. It's kind of funny to me. He's been in the league 10 years. I didn't realize that, I guess. I, I'm getting old, but he's been in the league 10 years as a coach. And, you know, he comes from the Sean Payton system. And he worked with Sean Brady. So I think it's about that. It's about comfortability, knowing what you want to do, having guys that you've worked with before. And this is the way, you know, you want to structure your team with guys that understand what you're trying to accomplish. And I think that he would do that. And from everybody I've talked to, there's a very good communicator. Uh, he'll be able to really kind of seamlessly fit into the quarterback room. That's for sure. As far as the die is concerned, I'm really interested because A, he doesn't have any NFL coaching experience, but he has coached in college. But B, this is a position they just hired guys that they didn't even have on staff, a cornerbacks coach. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a cornerbacks coach on staff. Now they have one. They had a safeties coach, and then John Butler was secondary slash passing game coordinator. 
Um, but there didn't, well, there wasn't a dedicated cornerbacks coach, and now they have one. And I think that's interesting, especially given the struggles of Kyrie Elam. If maybe they really want somebody a little bit more focused with him on a daily basis than what they had before. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, do you think that he's going to be able to, you know, help out Kyrie um, from? everything that I've seen from the things that, you know, the, the cornerbacks and safeties and everything like that have done, did uh, in, uh, in Miami. I mean, do you think that he's going to help bring out the most in Kair? Your guess is good as mine. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, that's what coaching is all about. That's what your job is, right. To try and bring out the best in every player. I mean, that's also on Kair, but I do know the kid's a hard worker and mm-hmm. you know, he did have the injury last year that I don't think that was really kind of known as much. And, you know, we kind of, battled through that but sure i mean i i I don't know i don't know um you know we all hope he does right but i mean that's the job of a coach to get the best out of players and we know john butler did a great job with the secondary when he had him and unfortunately but Kyrie Lim hasn't risen up to that level they drafted him for bobby babbage has done a great job with his guys so um yeah i mean i remains to be seen right that's why you hire you hire guys and you hope well, and do you, do you, um, cause I know this is something that, uh, another, one of the other shows that, you know, I watch personally, um, you know, brought up last night, do you see them kind of changing a little bit of philosophy a little bit, um, as far as more going more man than zone or, you know, especially yeah, bringing in a die. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, it's funny. I think they did a little bit more of that this year anyway. Maybe they go a little bit more next year. It might really I mean, it'll be Sean McDermott's defense. You know, he'll be the guy that gets kind of be formed in his in his vision for mm-hmm. his defense, even if Bobby Babbage calls plays. But I do wonder, you know, the influence that Bobby Babbage will have on that. And, you know, the other part, you know, Babbage, he he was so good at, you know, safeties and what they were able to do with Poirier and Hyde goes to linebackers. And, you know, they've been really good since then, you know, at, you know, coverage. Even Tremaine Edmonds, I think, was better in coverage that last year he was in Buffalo. So I think that that helps having a guy that understands from that standpoint on coverage from the second level. So, Sure, I think that they could do that. I don't know if the Bills will ever be like a really heavy man team under Sean McDermott, but you know, Rasul Douglas came in and that's kind of his game. And that's a little bit of what Kyrie Elam's game is. So you might kind of be forced to do that to play a little bit more to your strengths, man to man. So, you know, we'll see. Like I said, a lot of these things are gonna be seen, but I do think it's an interesting question and you know, we'll 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 find out a little bit more. But I thought they played a little bit more man this year as well, and you know, that kind of served them a little bit better. Yeah, and just real quick, uh, uh, when do you think we'll we'll know who's going to be calling the plays? Well, the combine is in two weeks. Um, that's last year when we found out Leslie Frazier was stepping away, uh, end of February. And at that point, we didn't know who was going to call plays, but myself and other people had been told that, you know, looks like it's going to be Sean McDermott, and eventually it was. I wonder if that'll happen this year, like, hey – you get a little bit of clue. You talk to people, you know, what the bills are thinking, but we might not know guys until training camp. Like they, I honestly could think that the bills may go to OTAs and mini camp and kind of see how it goes and see the operation. And Sean McDermott may want to see how Bobby Babbage can handle that. And what his you know, kind of philosophies are and how he sets things up during OTAs and mini camp. And maybe we don't find out until we even get to training camp. Yeah, I mean, that would definitely be uh, <laughs> a long wait to find that out. But, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, that you know, McDermott did a heck of a job last year. Um, you know, you definitely saw a lot of differences between him and, you know, what Leslie Frazier was doing. The aggressiveness was a lot different, um, a lot more, You should, uh, we should say. Um, you know, and it just – it was fun to watch our defense, you know, on a play-in and play-out to see what McDermott was going to do. Um my only thing is I, I just I don't want to see any I don't want to see them get away from that because I like the aggressive style defense because you're they're always flying around. I mean, and you got Milano coming back most likely gonna be fully healthy because yeah, yes, it was just you know the fracture, the you know, the tibial fracture. I don't want to call it a leg break, but basically what it, it is. Um yeah, um okay. but I <laughs> I just I feel like him coming back healthy, Trey White eventually coming back healthy, whether he's going to be ready for week one or not. Um, you know, Von Miller having another year under under him, you know, coming off the ACL. I I, I just really want to see that high flying defense back, you know, again this year that we saw against even Miami that shut down a team that was 70 points the week before. Um I don't know. I, I just I, how do you feel? Do you think that there is going to be any differences there 
as far like if, if Bobby Babbage were to take it over, do you think he's any less aggressive than McDermott? Or do you think that he's more Leslie Frazier? think whatever it is it'll be sean's kind of philosophy and i think sean might say to him like i want you to be more aggressive or less aggressive may allow the player the guy to call it but i don't know these are questions to be answered we don't know anything about bobby babbage's mm-hmm. bobby babbage's style or philosophy as a defensive play caller because it's never happened before so right. you know those are all to be determined but i you know i'd caution people to think that all these guys are just going to come back and be fully healthy and ready to go and they're old versions of themselves i you know matt milano coming off a broken leg sure i mean he may be ready by you know april or may but He's coming off a broken leg, and you hope that he's fully healthy. But as far as Tredavious White, White is the second major injury. It's an Achilles. There's no guarantee he's going to be the old Tredavious White. Same thing with Von mm-hmm. Miller. I thought by the end of the year, Von Miller was getting a little bit better, but he never got back and rounded into form at his age, coming off the ACL and you know all the things that go into that. Uh, you know, you got to be careful. And I, I don't think there's just should be this assumption that as soon as these guys are on the field, they're this, you know, as you say, high flying defense. Sure, I mean they're elite players. They have been. There's no guarantee they're going to be back to full form to be able to do what they were able to do before. No, and absolutely. And I'm, I just was meaning like the players that they bring in, not necessarily the, you know, because I mean, you're going to have Rasul Douglas back. I mean, that's, and I can see like, a, you know, even if Trey White's not ready, is, is Benford being there at the, at the, um, you know, at the second, at the second corner. And then, you know, you have, have Kyle Elam. Hopefully he takes another step forward now having, not having the injury or anything like that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just, I, I really, I know we're sitting here in February talking about this, but you know, it, it, I'd rather be talking about the Super Bowl with you, <laughs> but sure. I mean, you know, I'd rather be there. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And, uh, are you going to the combine this year? I'll be there. Yes. How I have to ask, how fun is that to go to? Well, they've changed it over the years, but I mean, like the thing we go for, and I won't be there all week. Most of the media, Buffalo, there will be some people there all week, but most of the media in Buffalo will be there in the beginning of the week and not as much towards the end. I'll be leaving even on Thursday, even before I get to see wide receivers. And the reason is because the reason a lot of us go there is really to talk to the coaches and GM, specifically Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. That's when they hold their press conferences on Tuesday mm-hmm. and Wednesday. That's, that's the more meat of it. The prospects themselves, like you're, you can watch them and, you know, run the 40 or whatever. And for a few years, and I think they've gone back. I have to look. They, they didn't even allow media in the dome to do that. So mm-hmm. like, you're not, you're just watching on like TV. And so it's not yeah. really kind of fun in that regard. Right. I yeah. mean, I've never, I've never actually watched that stuff to be quite honest with you, because by the time I've been there and I, I used to, I haven't gone a couple of years, but I used to go every year and I am going again this year. But for me, it is very fun to network, talk to people you don't normally get to talk to, see all these different personnel people, you know, Sean McDermott's talking over in one podium. And then in the other podium, there's Nick Sirianni. There's another podium. There's Mike McCarthy. You could just kind of go and you could talk to them or ask a question and kind of get that. Then GM is the same thing. That's the part, excuse me, that I enjoy. And that's really the Mm -hmm. part and the reason why a lot of us go. And again, I know there will be some media that will stay for the whole week and at the tail end of the week, um, you know, everybody's got their different job functions, but for me, it's more talking with Sean, talking with, Brandon and other head coaches and GMs and personnel people to kind of find out a lot of the things that are going on. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, do you ex- expect anything major to come out of there as far as in their press conferences or anything like that? They never do. Right. I mean, last year we found out <laughs> that Leslie Frazier was leaving. Yeah. I think that was the, uh, the big thing, but no, I mean, sometimes if I remember back, I mean, there might've been a couple of times where they announced they were to restructure a guy that week or something like that. Those are really the big things. Like, it's 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 generally pretty vanilla, and then that's when they start to do their business, like I said, around the league, and that's when we'll start to hear more stuff coming out of it. Perfect, and uh, I know I know we're um, we're getting up on it on eight o'clock here. So, um, Pat, any final questions for Sal? Yes, Sal, I do have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. A guy like Christian Benford, who who played a little bit of safety in Villanova, do you think there's a possibility of him playing safety? Here in Buffalo? It's a good question. You know, they've mentioned it before that he has that ability, Pat. And he he can do it. But I just think now he's such a – he solidified himself as such a good corner in this league. I don't think you want to do that anymore. Like, to me, you go into next year, and depending on Trey's injury and how he shakes out, you know your top three corners are White, Douglas, and Benford, whatever way that is. And that's a good trio to have, right? 
and maybe they right. get Dane Jackson back as their fourth and Kyrie Elam and all of that. So sure, it could be possible. I would never rule it out. They may give him some reps there in OTA minicamp, but man, I thought he had a tremendous year last year. And I just think that that's where he fits best in this league. And if you do that, if you do transition him, you do move him, you're also, he's relearning a position he did only play a little bit of in college. You don't know what you're going to get from him there. And you're creating another void at corner, which you don't really want to do. True. Gotcha. And any uh, last couple things here, Sal, any predictions for tonight? Do you think Josh Allen has any chance at MVP? I fear not. I think it's going to be Lamar. And you know what? And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I think Lamar is a very worthy MVP. He had an amazing year. We'd all love to see Josh Allen win it. But I think that takes away from you know, what Lamar's accomplished too. And if you look at it, he, he is a worthy MVP guy. And I, I'd love to see Josh do it. I'm not one of these guys that thinks Josh is going to get robbed if he doesn't win it. If someone else did besides Lamar and Josh didn't get it, then I'd say he got robbed. <laughs> um, so I'm okay with that. I think that DeMar will win comeback player of the year. Um, I think, you know, that's been pretty much, you know, since the day he stepped foot up back on a football field, you know, that was what's going to happen there. Um, but the other ones I'm interested in, I'm interested in the Hall of Fame stuff. Devin Hester's up, right? I mean, that hasn't come out yet. It comes out tonight, right, as well. And um, I keep thinking, you know, I love I love Devin Hester. I love his game. But come on, if you're going to put Devin Hester in, can we get my guy Steve Tasker in the yeah, Hall of Fame? Right? Tasker, yeah, Steve Tasker needs to go in there. I actually have a I have a football signed uh, by Steve Tasker from uh, from the Madden tournament I, uh, I was there at um, at 716 when it used to be 716. Um, but last last thing for you, Sal, um, I do want to um, send my condolences to you. Um for your for your for your puppy there, um, yeah, so I, I do want to do want to send those to you. Um, I had to put put mine out about a year ago, so I, I know what you're going through. So um, definitely want to uh, do that uh, and send my condolences to you and your family. Um, and I want to thank you for hopping on with us, uh, short notice and everything like that. And hopefully we can have you on again. You got it, guys. Thank you, Sal. Sorry yeah, for you your loss. It. Yeah, thank you. No, I appreciate that. My family does as well. Thank you. Thank you, Sal. Thank okay. you, Sal. All right, guys, and that was uh, that was Sal Capaccio. Thank you so much for joining us here. Um, the last little bit here, I do want to go into our, um, you know, real quickly do our gambling segment here. Um, and Pat, I'm, while I'm pulling anything up, uh, any last takeaways from what Sal said or anything like that? No, yeah, no, I really appreciate Sal coming on. Thank you, Sal, again. Hope everybody in here, hope everybody's in here. Questions got answered. I know we asked a few of them. And how about this? I'll give you my Super Bowl prediction. Okay, perfect. I would do that. I think Kansas City is going to win. I do I do see it being more of a defensive game. But in the end, I do think it's – I look at the quarterbacks, and I do think Patrick Mahomes just does a bit more for the Chiefs, sadly. What do you got as a score? What do you got as a score? 31 to 24. I have the 49ers winning personally. Uh, um, I just think that in every single area besides Patrick Mahomes, they are head and shoulders above um, head and shoulders above um, uh, what Kansas city has. I mean, their defense is better. Their offensive line is better. Their receivers are better. I mean, you literally have their <laughs> wide receivers are Debo Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, um, Jennings. Um, you got Chris McCaffrey coming out of the backfield. You got you George, got George Kittle. Kittle. Yeah, I mean, not stopping any one of those guys, and when you only have Snead on the other side, so Spagnola is going to have his hands full. Let's just leave it at that. But um, agreed. I I do have everything pulled up here. Let me see what we have here um, for the Super Bowl. Here, Super Bowl. Let's see. All right, so we have the score. I know we did one last week. I know I posted that. We'll try and keep that away from um, what we have here. So with that being said, uh, passing props. Do we want to go Brock Purdy this week? Yes, let's do Brock Purdy this week. Yep, we did Mahomes Um, last week. So Over under 246 and a half. 246 and a half. Let's go with the over. Okay. Over. Um, and then receivers, uh, last week we picked what we picked Kelsey and in Kittle, uh, Kittle. So let's go, um, Samuel Rice, Ayuk, McCaffrey, Pacheco, or MVS. Let's go McCaffrey and Rasheed Rice. McCaffrey over 33 and a half over, over, under, over, over. Okay. 
And then Rasheed Rice, uh, over 67 and a half, over under. I'm going to go with the under. Under? Yes. And then let's see here. Rushing props. I know we went with, um, uh, let's see here. McCaffrey, I think it was last week. Um, Yes, we went with McCaffrey rushing and receiving yards. Okay. Um, So do we want to go with Pacheco, Mahomes, Purdy, or Debo Samuel? Let's go with Pacheco. Over under 67 and a half. I'll go with the over. Okay. Chiefs offensive line seems to be playing better in the playoffs as of now. So and then we took Christian McCaffrey last week for the touchdown. Pick anybody else. That uh tight end uh from Kansas City. The backup tight end. I'm actually gonna veto you. I'm gonna go Debo Samuel. Okay. And I, I, I never veto you, so but no, you're um, good. You're that, good. <laughs> I will post this one as well tonight. Um it is ten dollars to win two hundred and thirty-one dollars and sixty-six cents. So I will post that tonight on the Buffalo Basement Twitter page. Um, and again, this has been another episode of the Buffalo Basement Podcast. Everything has been sponsored by Iliad Apollos uh, and Sons of Erie. Iliad Apollos, check them out, 3785 South Park Avenue in Blaisdell, New York, 14219. And then Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. Um, we are brought to you by, are brought to you from the Built in Buffalo Network on Built in Buffalo uh, Twitter. And uh, um, definitely on, on Tuesday nights, check out the Buffalo Blitz uh, with Lance Nelson, Peter DiBiase. Uh, and Wednesday nights, check out uh, Kevin Masseri, Kevin Syracuse on the Going Deep Buffalo podcast. And then right after this show, you have uh, Witty Not Funny at 8.30, so definitely stay on here to check them out. Um, and uh, um, anything else before we get out of here, Pat? Yeah, once again, a huge thank you to Sal for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for everybody watching now or that will be watching on the replay. And that's all I got. Go Bills. Perfect. Go Bills, Pat. And uh, um, hopefully we're talking about a 49ers win, not a Kansas City win on on, uh, next Thursday. So (laughs) we'll see everybody next Thursday and go Bills. Go Bills.